Welcome to Beyond Narratives, and welcome to our third episode. I've got my ever-vigilant co-host Chris Nonis here from Down Under, and I'm Al, straight out of NYC, the ever-hardcore leftist. Combined, we are Beyond Narratives, the podcast that combats the CIA MIC propaganda matrix and gives you a viewpoint you will not hear anywhere else. We'll also tackle stories that emanate from the nexus of the culture wars, tech, finance, and of course, politics. So let's get started. Hey Chris, what's on your mind this week? Hello my fellow explorers of Beyond Narratives. What's on my mind today is meatballs. Meatballs? Is it cloudy? No, I got a craving for meatballs. Do you have any clue about what we're going to be talking about? I just think of that movie, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Because I can't think of real meatballs anymore. I can't eat real meatballs, so I got to think of movies now. Shout out to Tim Dillon, the great comedian. And uh, Meatball is the rather politically incorrect uh, nickname he's given to the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, for obvious reasons. Yeah, you get it now, do you? All right. Andrew so, Cuomo, uh, let's... we're going to take him. Yeah, we're going to... We're going to t- talk a bit about the Andrew Cuomo situation. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with the controversy surrounding Cuomo's handling of nursing homes during the pandemic last year. But at the same time, Trump was the president last year. So there was a concerted effort by the corporate media to bury that story. Anyone who tried to investigate Cuomo's handling uh, of the death of countless citizens in nursing homes was accused of weaponizing COVID for political reasons and i think uh, this is something we are both uh, familiar with uh, so al do you recall how the democrats and the pro-democrat media stooges tried to hail como as a hero for how he handled the pandemic last year yeah yeah i remember that you know it was like a complete like you said victory march and at the time he's also been considered for an emmy an oscar golden globe and whatnot MSNBC News anchor creaming in their panties as they claim to be homosexuals. Mad Cow, Joy Reid, they were just going off. And he was like their daddy against the evil Trump. This all fit into the corporate shitload narrative that stands to make money from the epic battle, quote-unquote, between good and evil, good being Cuomo and evil being Trump, when in reality, it's just evil and evil. Trump was basically the check that evil actually has on itself. It's plan B. When the shitlib narrative plan A falls apart, like it is with Cuomo right now, we can't have actual progressives come in to fill the void. Now, can we? We need to not only have the Trump threat alive to keep the electorate terrified of the orange menace, but they also need to have Trump to take over, quote-unquote, if the shitlib candidate like the demented Biden right now fails, as he will in 2024. They will spend the next four years hyping up the Russian narrative pumping up the Trump threat to democracy, etc., with no hint of the dangers, such as accidental nuclear war with Russia that they're causing, right? As you told me, he's probably pissed off some kingmaker somewhere, hence the fall he's going through right now. But still, during this pandemic peak last year, it didn't stop him from becoming a shitlip sex symbol now, did it? Yeah, remember how the Democrats' convention was a victory march for Cuomo in his speech at the convention, he said... For all the pain and all the tears, we worked, our way worked, and it was beautiful. Oh, cringe. And, and of course, there were so many news articles as well. There was this one Karen who was jealous of another Karen on Vogue, and 
Como apparently called this second Karen because she wrote an article to Jezebel called Help! I'm in love with Andrew Como. So the first Karen from Vogue says Even though I'm married and I have three children and a fabulous husband I adore I felt a pang of jealousy. He was my competent governor imaginary boyfriend. So that was all last year though while Trump was in the office but uh, because Trump was in office because Trump was in the office yeah keyword is because New York governor Andrew Cuomo has experienced an extraordinary turnaround of events within only a one year so he's gone from being the hero of a pandemic to well where it is today but you kind of remain skeptical of this right we've had this conversation before and i don't blame you because after all ralph northern who had to choose between a kkk uh robe and a black face he's still in the office so i don't blame you for being skeptical about this now so uh yeah so what do you think do you think that como is going to survive this onslaught i don't i don't i don't think he's going anywhere to be honest uh because uh you know uh unless unless the people it's like the AOC replacing Joe Crowley unless the the next in line is sufficiently corrupted they can't replace this guy now i personally think Letitia James is on the way there even though she claims she didn't take that much money from him she made a deal with him like a few years ago to uh, fundraise for her and she goes oh, it was only $70,000 you know what I work in a company if they raise $70,000 in like a fundraiser it's considered a huge success. So she's trying to make it look like $70,000 is like nothing. But you know, it's a lot of money. It does it does help and it's not like it was 700 or 7,000. It was 70 grand, you know. I mean, you know, what was she expecting? 7 million. So she's making it, you know, she's going like, "Oh, he didn't really help me, so I'm not I'm she's she's basically out for him. She's going after him right now." So I think that, you know, what it's typical New York politics. You know, it's if he does go, it's only because someone equally bad or co-opted is going to replace him. But uh, I think this is worthy of address because there appears to be a shift in the tide since last year, and I think for that reason alone, it's worthy to sort of explore some possible underlying reasons as to why you suddenly see these shifts. So let's talk about the controversy surrounding Coma, shall we? All right. Yeah, so, let's do it. Let's do it. So there are two things that have converged into uh, one big case against Como. So one of this is of course as we spoke earlier it was about how we handle the nursing homes during the early stages of this COVID outbreak. And the second of course has to do with all the me too shit that's piling up on him currently. It's funny how me too always appears once someone's in trouble. It's like the it's like the uh, dessert after the main course. Yes, I mean uh, this is actually if if you are to look into the trajectory of how a lot of this me too shit goes at first uh, you get some accusations of impropriety so you know he touched me improperly he did this he said that but then you know you will come out and say uh, you didn't do it but then eventually you would uh, release some word salad of an apology and nothing will happen life goes on for a few weeks or months and then they will slap you with something a lot more serious but if you think about it right there's something really sad about this because it takes like the initial like knife puncture wound of the nursing home scandal to then allow me to to show up which means that me too isn't really is really like still not its own like you know 
I mean, why couldn't have they have gone after this guy just on the basis of Me Too, like devoid of the scandal, right? I mean, if he did this, like, you know, it's still very sad to know that, like, if these things are actually happening, that people, women cannot come up front right away and they have to wait for, like, someone to be hit by something else first and then pile on, you know, as a, as a second attack while the person's, like, weakened, quote-unquote, which is really sad because that means that Me Too still hasn't reached the... Like, this guy's hired, like, Weinstein lawyers or whatever, you know, and some other lawyers as well. It, I mean, like, you know, the, it's like Hillary was hanging out with Weinstein. These power brokers hang out with these pedophiles, man. So no wonder women feel threatened. It, it still hasn't reached. And, of course, you had all these Alyssa Milano shit-lib resistance, like, discarding their Me Too, like, hashtags when, you know, when Biden came around, you know, so... Is it really like an actual movement that's making any difference now? Because they seem to not be able to do anything if there's nothing. If like I don't, I don't see any more scandals on Me Too. Like, where, when's the next powerful guy going down solely on Me Too? So that was just my take on Me Too on this. And the funny thing is that you mentioned Weinstein, and in many ways, you can see that how people like Cuomo probably learned all this shit from Weinstein. After all. Generally, it's always the male feminists that seem to be getting in trouble with the Me Too movement. So this is probably why one of the reasons why Me Too has uh, lost its credibility or lost its traction because everyone they seem to bring down are sort of the male feminists. And um, the funny thing is, you just mentioned Harvey Weinstein, and I'm pretty sure that people like Cuomo learned all these virtue signaling from Harvey Weinstein. Because if you remember, Harvey Weinstein was the one of the biggest male feminists around, right? He used to wear all these t-shirts to promote feminism. I mean, what fucking guy would even do shit like that? It has to be the most limp dick way to get some pussy, if you ask me. And if you have been listening to a lot of the Harvey Weinstein cases, there are all these women coming out and giving testimonies saying that, he, yes, he does have a limp dick or an egg-shaped oh. dick and <laughs> isn't it yeah, it, yeah, yeah i mean that's that's a whole nother topic we should talk about one day as to why there are all these conspiracies uh, surrounding people like jeffrey or, me, or maybe never Harvey. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> why there are conspiracies surrounding people like jeffrey epstein and harry weinstein having egg-shaped dick but we are not, uh. luckily for you we, that's not going to happen today or maybe never as you said <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but uh, this is the thing though i mean Cuomo probably learned this type of uh, platitudes from people like Weinstein's. I mean, it's their insurance against such accusations. So they can say things like, oh, how dare you question my allegations to the feminist movement. Look at all this shit I've done for these broads and ruin all oh the God. men's life. Blah, 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 blah. God, it's fucking disgusting these people are. Yeah. And... Uh, like you said, though, I mean, you, you touched upon something important that it's actually very well documented that many of these women who have experienced sexual assaults at the hands of male feminists, they tend to actually not come out with their story. There's a high probability of them not coming out because they are scared that they will probably be demonized uh, uh, or they are trying to... Uh, they're trying to bring down these men for all the hard work, quote-unquote, they've done for the feminists. Or they also sometimes are naive enough to believe that this is just an isolated incident and that these men haven't really uh, done it to other women. And uh, they probably just uh, have this mindset to think, I know he did something bad to me, but 
yeah the thing is he's doing so much for women i will just let this one slip under my rug no pun intended but uh you know they probably at the same time think that you know we don't want to bring down an ally and uh, and that's just the whole mindset they have and that this is how a lot of these people like weinstein have gotten away with it for so long but the irony of all this is that como just can't pretend that this is not serious for the simple reason that he himself has called for the resignation of many men who were accused of the same shit that he's now been accused of and uh, he's one of those guys who have been setting up very high standards for punishments for those who are accused without any evidence and uh, yeah so this is bit of a dilemma for him isn't it oh yeah yeah and it's all projection right these these criminals and real monsters are usually the ones like you said doing all this virtue signaling stuff and just pretending to be allies and you know they'll and it's like it's like the whole philanthropy racket for people like bill gates it's like a rehab of their image like we are you know this guy's he's a freaking mafia caricature man and he you know he's acting he's a feminist uh, you know ally are you kidding me the guy would like you know he'd like to you know if it was <laughs> he wants to go back to the 1800s where like the women had to eat in the other room or be in the kitchen or something Nah, man. This guy's this guy's full of it. So, Al, while you remain skeptical that anything will happen to Como, I would say that there is some method in the madness as to why they want to throw him under the bus. And one of them is that Democrats are very good in creating platitudes when they have to distract the public from finding out their real weaknesses. For example, Democrats now have the House, the Senate, the Oval Office, but they have still failed to deliver a lot of the key uh, tenants of uh, uh, key t- uh, some of the key tenants such as the $15 minimum wage the medicare for all and we can see that they are not failing to deliver they just don't want to deliver and i think they want to fail and lose the house and the senate yeah and uh, what better way to seriously create a distraction uh, than to see one of their main figureheads like Cuomo being thrown under the bus and uh, you can see that i mean don't get me wrong i think there's a myriad of reasons as to why this is happening to como so this is not just a simple black or white issue but we can also shed some light into the nuances behind it because it's it's this is a very good time to shed some baggage when you think about it in many ways you can say it's almost a controlled demolition whoops there you go i went there so uh, of uh, andrew como because uh, Think about it, right? For example, je- Democrats generally like to, uh, they have a very uh, love-hate relationship with this identity politics. They'd like to rely on strongman figures such as uh, by uh, Como or even, you know, alpha male or heterosexual white males such as Joe Biden. So when, when they want to get something done, like win an election, they, they will rely on that. To put rock the baby back to sleep, but then on the other times when they when there is uh, when they are in the safe zone, they would like to experience with the likes of the boutique left. So this is probably one of those times where Democrats feel like they have enough security to take a hit and shed this guy to put someone else that ha- that probably has they can play ball with a lot easier on many different issues. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not saying that <coughs> Como is a uh, 
outsider or any no, i'm not saying any of that he he's everything uh, he's as bad as you can be but there are other players out there that they can use to get their uh, to fulfill their agendas a lot easier and but he's not probably... trump yeah well here's how these people think right they think like this win little win big win little win little win little win small loss a big win this, this is just a thought of a thought type of mindset they have so in the grand scheme of things I, i i mean this is i know this sounds very conspiratorial but this is probably why i think that they are kind of willing to now let go of a character like como because they can out of the two controversies that como uh, is kind of slapped with right now so we should probably dive into the more serious one which is the of course the nursing home one It's it's really should be the only one that's going to sink him but imagine he needs like two like torpedoes to go down. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that me too sort of follows in. <laughs> yeah, like you mentioned. So there is a good article by uh, Janice Dean from Fox News and I can see how some people are now going to as soon as they heard Fox News. Oh yeah, Fox News. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. There's it, only it's there's all... only good CNN news. That's yeah, about it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's propaganda it's, it's everywhere so, by the way, people. So, yeah. Let's go to our wrap up message, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So uh, Janice Dean, uh, who I believe she lost uh, some of her family to COVID. I think she lost her husband's parents, both of them. Uh, so her both mother and father-in-law and uh, she had a very good article titled The Tragic Rise of Andrew Cuomo Amid COVID-19 A Real American Crisis and I think Janice has joined her husband to carry out a large independent investigation into the whole nursing home saga and she writes had the governor admitted his terrible decision instead of making posters and coronavirus artwork so plastic mountains and coronavirus artwork many of us would have forgiven him So uh, she goes on to say two of those deaths were my husband's parents Mickey and Dee Newman both of whom contracted the virus in their separate elder care facilities in the New York City I so yeah so as you can see this woman she this is a really big deal for her so she has uh, and obviously why not she's just lost two people who uh, appear to be very close to her because i've seen the pictures and they, they these are the i mean i know some times in laws can be very distant from you but not on this occasion it's it, it just seems like this was a closely knit family and she's uh, definitely uh, taking this very personally uh, and and she should uh, okay so hats off to her for actually taking the time to uh, in she spent 8 months i think uh, digging into this thing And um, I think uh, she, she goes on to say that I believe the deaths of thousands of seniors who had died from COVID in New York state could have been prevented. And that's the reason why I became an advocate over the last eight months, trying to expose Cuomo's own mistakes and shortcomings while the national media crowned him as one of the finest politicians. And there you go. And she's definitely just saying what we said because we were We also saw these uh, articles and accolades and we were like you got to be kidding me man well, what are you smoking it's almost like well how Giuliani was remade after 9/11 that's right he was exactly. doing comeback but 9/11 made him into America's mayor remember it took he, i think he milked it for about 8 years <laughs> yes and uh, let's talk a little bit about this nursing home situation shall we because at first when i heard about the nursing home story 
I thought that this was one of those typical weaponization of COVID you see on both sides of the aisle uh, carried out against governors and mayors and even presidents, in fact. Well, remember, um, with, uh, with Cuomo, he's actually owned by the Nursing Home Association, right? And he, made sh- he was paid off to shove them into nursing homes and he gave them a liability shield as well. Oh, yes. And he also had these really unrealistic expectations of the healthcare workers. That was a loss-loss situation that I I was uh, listening to this uh, podcast called Chapo Trap House. And they did a very good uh, episode on uh, how fascist Como was with uh, the way a lot of the healthcare workers were treated and the level of uh, anxiety these healthcare workers were going through. They didn't even have PPE, right? I mean, I remember looking back in March, April, May, and there were uh, healthcare workers covered in plastic garbage bags. I have a friend of mine who called me. He said his parents work in a hospital in Long Island. He said, like, they don't have PPE, and it's very stressful. And it's just like, uh, you know, I think it's also like, you know, it could have been an organic thing because, I mean, you're looking at, like, a bunch of deaths, people stressed out. Uh, it's almost like a 9-11, right? I mean, it's like every day is a 9-11 now. And I think uh, eventually, like, when people are just dropping dead left and right, grandmas and granddads are dying, I mean, people are going to, you know, there's only so much you can threaten people once once they start losing, like you said, family members. They're going to stop taking this shit. Could have been an organic thing. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that we're wondering why Cuomo suddenly being, you know, voted off the island, right? So mm, Exactly. And uh, getting back to the politicization of this, we did see media going after politicians from states like Florida because some beach or some house party was open and all the liberal media outlets were having their panties up in a bunch about this. But at the same time, when the riots broke out during the summer, we saw thousands of people just packed in every mall and every street corner looting assaulting people and what did that you get okay. from the media yeah man that's all nothing, good. nothing to see here these are mostly peaceful protests in fact uh, and that's the thing though that's what pissed me off so much because even the scientific community came out with all these outrageous reports on how these riots are not likely to increase the covid infections because they all were that uh, you know the chin diaper and uh, so because of that everything was fine even though you're kind of packed by the thousands exchanging bodily fluids with each other and uh, at the same time though all these experts would just uh, come out and give their little graphs and pie charts and show how some house party in the middle of nowhere was responsible for millions being infected while no holds barred parades of mass arsonists can do nothing wrong and uh, it, so th- this is why i thought that in many ways the covid thing was politicized and it, it does sort of take away the it does create this perception that we should not take it seriously because of the way it was politicized so in many ways the game that the media played did not help with our own perception of how we should treat this thing and you also saw those occasions when you know you i mean when the riots broke out they, these rioters gathered outside the scene and building which I, I tell you, I kind of enjoyed that. That, that. that was sort of the highlight. Silver lining the dark cloud, I must say. But I mean, just like just like GameStop, it was just like, you know, it's always that symbolic nothing, right? Everyone thinks like some war and war has been won because that happened. But in reality, it's like five days of GameStop trading and three days of CNN, uh, you know, looting and arsonism. But 
I think these people got caught with their pants down. They were. It's just like how Cuomo was trapped when he had to hide the numbers from Trump, yes. right? He had to like fudge the numbers by fifty percent. I think they were so scared that if they didn't allow the the mass protests to take place, right? They would actually lose a huge, you know. They can't. They they wouldn't be able to keep up that narrative of evil versus good. It would just be like, oh, you everyone's a Trump. Like you know, uh, we are on the side of Trump now. So they had to always be against Trump, even if it came to all right. You guys can all circle around, you know, this entire block, a million of you, and everyone can get COVID because that's okay now because here's a scientific community saying it's all right. And that's ridiculous too. That's why people don't trust. Uh, I mean. You look look at the headlines now, and people. Uh, there was like some headline the other day. I think I saw it yesterday, where sixty percent of nursing staff are not going to take the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Right? I've had people who work in the pharma industry tell me they're very upset. They like a lot of people put a lot of effort into this vaccine, these vaccines, which I'm sure. But the problem is the messaging is so off that you know it just sounds so conspiratorial anyway. Like half the time they're like they're always lying, so people don't know what to believe. So. You know, when it comes to jabbing people with a freaking needle, I mean, there's going to be people who are not going to believe you now because you've just gone back and forth on everything, including this these protests that you're talking about. Absolutely. You could see that these same people who were just calling all the riots a peaceful protest, suddenly they've gotten so outraged that a bunch of people just stormed into the Capitol and they were doing all these Instagram photo ops and just fooling around. And that this is also, it just shows just how how disingenuous this media is i mean for one day they had their whole cnn building about to be invaded they had grenades thrown at it and then all the security had to stay on the front line and protect them but then suddenly we see the same thing happening far away in Capitol hill and you can see the same journalists needing time off from work for ptsd or whatever and uh, they were acting like Fucking Godzilla came down and turned Pearl Harbor and 911 into a bitch. And that's why I'm saying that everything just feels like a psyop <laughs> put out there to fuck with my head. That's because it is. It is a psyop, man. It's been well documented that freaking QAnon was a psyop. It's an FBI psyop. You know, the Swiss Research uh, Policy Research Institute, they did a the whole document. We put in the show notes, there's a thing that... You know, QAnon, there's been a deep dive into how it could have been just a very well FBI-infiltrated PSYOP. And even this week, it just came to light that the FBI learned that the entire mob inside the Capitol had no weapons, right? So Jill Sanborn, who's the assistant director of the FBI's counterterrorism division, told the Senate committee that the FBI did not recover any guns at the January 6th Capitol riot, right? When she was pressed, I think, by Ron Johnson or someone on it. And now we have to depend on Republican senators for some modicum of truth. What's Mr. Pants on Fire, lie detector website, PolitiFact or whatever, right? They're like, well, it has nuance, you know. She didn't She didn't speak for the D.C. Metro Police. They found, like, one gun. Man, there were, like, five or 10,000 people swarming around over there. If it's an armed insurrection, it was an armed insurrection with one gun, Right. But the thing is, they have to keep this shit lip narrative going because they've got currently got that jobs program called the U.S. military hanging out like in D.C. for like months. And the thing is, they're basically making such a big deal like about these people having weapons on the Capitol grounds. You know, after years of people like brandishing weapons in like every freaking high school shooting, mall shooting, they don't give a shit about any of that. That's like freaking, oh, it's all cool. But when the problem came to the Capitol... 
hundreds of school shootings like never moved them as much as January 6th. But, you know, back to Cuomo. Oh, yes. And uh, I saw this news article the other day. I shared it with you, the CBS, where they were showing the QAnon shaman. Now he's in jail. You can see they've taken off his uh, yeah, helmet and everything. Horrible and he's horrible guy. A, <laughs> he's, a, he's this bold guy yeah. and he's uh, he's well he's a broken down man and and when i saw that he just seemed like uh, this guy who who does not look harmless to me one bit the in fact when the reporter was you mean looks harmless him, to you right yeah yeah he he, yeah. he 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 i i was watching this video where this reporter is questioning him and to me that reporter looked far more threatening this female reporter she looked more like a fascist than him well that's because he wasn't going according he wasn't exhibiting the tendencies of a, like a violent trump supporter in fact the poor guy was like he said my only mistake was to believe this trump but guess what when shit libs run the country into the ground demagogues are looked up to they won't ever talk about that they'll be like we're the greatest we'll hold your 15 dollar minimum wage we won't give you money we won't do shit for you but if you like trump you're going to jail he was wanting people to see him for what he is he's really not the threat and then the the all the reporters were like yeah but he was carrying a flag pole that had a that had a aged that had a um what do you call it it, it was it, it, you can pierce someone with that flag pole and and that's why like like what you were saying earlier about how they didn't have any weapons going into the capital hill so now they're using flagpole as a weapon <laughs> well even the guy with the with the zip ties right turns out he and the other guy found zip ties somewhere and they were just they actually removed the zip ties so that nobody else could get them and even the prosecutors admit to that now but for weeks it was like look they they've come to take hostages and, and the kiwana shaman was saying that the cops actually asked him to go in so he didn't think that he was committing a crime because uh, cops were waving at him to go in uh, uh, so he just wa- stupidly walked in and i kind of believe some of these people because they don't look like the type of people who just uh, took on a whole front line of cops and crushed them and walked in i'm sure there were people who did that in fact there are videos of them showing how the cops in the guards in the front line were trying to hold back people but those people had a very different sort of attire they were geared up for that type of thing but all these people that we saw walking around the halls in the congress and these people did not look like they were geared up to take on a front line of uh, guards so i'm sure that they just stupidly walked in and walked into a trap that's why this whole thing could be a psyop but here's the best part i think they've they've sort of made this like such a third rail issue that if you even discuss like nuance about the capital right you're like some terrorist this is what the new narrative is right domestic terrorism because it's always like these blowback like all our foreign misadventure wars are not coming back home and people here are going to be terrorists right so they can't like they're running out of enemies around the world so they've now got to invent enemies at home yeah absolutely so let's get back to como shall we oh yeah talking about enemies we got it yeah <laughs> So we actually need to talk though about this giant shift in perception because uh, there is quite a big leap in uh, how he this guy was held as a hero during the Trump time to the the situation where they're willing to throw him under the bus. But I think you know uh, just to go on your one point over there uh, unlike Trump in the Cuomo fan base or the Cuomo liberal base there was still an undercurrent of they didn't like him. I know a lot of people who didn't like him no matter even during that time. right but you never see that with trump you see undying loyalty for trump but not with cuomo 
So, I mean, he could do more harm for so long though, but uh, now we have this nursing home story emerging with uh, much more evidence and we also have the Me Too shit to follow up with it. And there is actually a very good article in Times Union, which is titled Como Aid Says Administration Froze Amid Federal Nursing Home Probe. So in this, this woman goes on to admit, she says, basically we froze, she said the lawmakers, and the lawmakers I believe are the Democrats, because then we were in a position where we weren't sure if what we were going to give to the Department of Justice or what we were to give to you guys or what we start saying was going to be used against us and we weren't sure if there was going to be an investigation that played a very large role into this. So Como was forced to detail a full tally of nursing home deaths after last month's release of a scathing report from State Attorney General Letitia James' office and a subsequent court decision in a legal action brought by the Empire Centers, a fiscally conservative think tank that ordered the administration to hand over the data this week. So I got to exaggerate that word conservative. So I'm not sure if they just brought, put that out there just so as an attempt for any reader to sort of disregard whatever the evidence or the data. I mean, who gives a fuck the data, right? It came from a conservative think tank, so I think it's safe to ignore it and move on. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that that's the reason why they put that there, but it just certainly feels like uh, they put a loaded term in there just to, hoping that people will move on to the next story, yeah? So, we should talk a bit about this ongoing Me Too shit with Como, right? Yeah. Okay, so... He's currently been accused by three women, three different women, who said that uh, he has behaved improperly around them. All of them are aides or have worked with him to some capacity. And uh, I think we should make it clear that this is impropriety, not rape. So they have some videos of this as well. They've come out with some cringe photos and videos that are being regarded as circumstantial evidence around these women. But to be honest, they're not even that bad. But uh, you know how these incidents can be spun around, right? They, they can be amplified, weaponized, politicized, depending on your agenda. So if Joe Biden shoves his fingers... And, and there, there might be like a bunch of other people doing it and no one gives a shit. It's like when their turn comes to be like their downfall shows up, that's when we'll use it at that point. It's not about justice for all. It's just like we'll pick and select who to nail on this shit when we decide it's convenient. But if it's, but it's going to remain, a, I mean, especially in political circles. I mean, don't forget, like you were going to talk about Joe Biden. Like Tara Reid was like railroaded. They got her off the front pages as quickly as they did the same thing with Hunter's laptop. Oh, the, yeah, and the, she, they engaged in a smear campaign against her and they brought up all this other... Oh, yeah, she's poor. Yeah. She's poor. Because she wasn't some elite blase Ford, that's why. Yeah, they brought up all this unnecessary, you know, unrelated shit just to destroy her character and make her look like some kind of a basket case. And th they had no issues with that. And don't forget, you just talked about uh, Cuomo being some mafioso Don. What do you think Joe Biden looked like 10 years ago? The guy walked around with the swagger of a freaking mobster. Now he's like a lovable grandpa and people think he's some other guy. He's the same guy. He's just a hollow shell now. But but it's the same kind of like mentality. These these guys are think they're like, they're legal gangsters if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, 
to be honest, uh, we are not going to dive too deeply into these Me Too allegations, but what we can do is to focus on the change in the shift because New York Times has actually reported these allegations to be credible and I'm sure some of you are surprised with it. I have spent a bit of time thinking about whether I should be surprised with it, but uh, I'm, I've kind of decided that this is actually not a surprise when you think about the uh, their agenda. So my theory is that, like I said before, they want to shed some uh, baggage and this is the perfect time to do so because uh, as you can see some of the prominent Democrats are asking Cuomo to resign if these allegations are true. You got Bill de Blasio, the mayor and then some members of the Democratic caucus, four state senators, some assembly members, they're all doing this whole uh, Al Gore style debate is over, science is settled, you must resign type of a ritual. And don't forget, uh, Pisaki even said that uh, Cuomo didn't pass their, uh, you know, their credibility test or, you know, vetting. When I heard that is when I realized that this this has come from that top. Like Biden has decided that Cuomo is no good and he's the leader of the party. So Yes, uh, I mean, slowly but surely, there is also a movement to, that if he does not resign, they have a movement to have him impeached, which is, which is what sort of uh, got me to raise my eyebrow in some ways uh, otherwise i would just say okay yeah yeah this is a more of a ralph northern type thing or this is uh, your usual scenario but there seems to be some unprecedented things that haven't happened before in this particular case which is worth looking into and like i said though there are a myriad of reasons and one of them is of course that democrats want to create a distraction they don't want to do all the things that they, they are expected to do it. Oh, not that they don't want to do it. They are not doing it, right? So, as you know, they collapsed on the $15 minimum wage with the bullshit parliamentarian freaking story, Aesop's fable, you know? It's, like, ridiculous. You know what? When the, when the Bush tax cuts were going through, the parliamentarian was immediately ejected and a nice little, you know, uh, you know lackey parliamentarian was put in. And they got their tax cuts, right? So these guys, I mean, the difference is Democrats are weasels, right? Republicans will like, they're like, hey, we're out here to fuck you. I mean, that's that's what we do. I mean, it's like a shark in the water. It's going to be a shark. But these guys are like a shark in the water, but I'm like a dolphin. You know, I'm going to help you, but not really. So 15 has gone. Eight senators, right? Eight of them voted against it. We were supposed to have a fucking majority, Right. It's like freaking 58 to 42 or whatever, right? And uh, uh, it's going to go back to the House, right? Now, six progressives could stop the legislation from going through. You think they're going to do that? Where are all these assholes? Where's freaking AOC? Where is she still doing a fundraiser on the freaking internet? Still reaching out to Kamala? Like, Kamala save us? Jenk had that hashtag going, Kamala save us. Oh, my God. She's busy saving Israel from, like, you know from not being able to get more weapons. So the unemployment benefits were watered down to 300 a week. They were actually 400 a week under Trump, right? And they've lowered the ceiling for eligibility for the stimulus payment. So now it's 17 million less people included to get less stimulus checks. So less money and less people paid than Trump was able to do, right? And they don't seem to realize that a stimulus stimulates the economy. If you're going to have 17 million less people stimulating the economy, you're going to 
how are you going to expect this economy to come back? Now, of course, they're busy selling the store out to Walmart, Amazon, all these people, all these guys making trillions of dollars. But these useless progressives and Bernie are nowhere to be found. AOC pushing a petition, Kapmala sucking up to Israeli masters, selling weapons to kill Palestinians, and what, looking the other way when it comes to Khashoggi. So, like, you know, even though he's, he's an elite, I'm surprised that they, I guess he's just one elite, and you know what, we still have to sell all these weapons to Saudi Arabia, so we can't really do anything. But, yeah, man, it's just, this is a complete distraction, so let's put the Cuomo sideshow on so no one can focus on the real screwing on. But, you know, when you don't have food on the table, you don't have a job, no one gives a shit about Cuomo. Yeah, and it's a good thing that you actually just brought up the Khashoggi thing because that was another update we had since our last episode that Biden administration. So we, we thought that this is exclusively to Trump. We were the 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 shitlit narrative all this time was that Trump was single-handedly cutting off a bipartisan call for an investigation into Khashoggi. So but now we know that Biden is on the. the by, actually, I was surprised by this to be quite honest. There is a certain, I, wasn't. I mean, I was a little surprised because uh, only because there was a shitlib journalist who completely misled me about this one. Uh, well, it's called a fake out. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, Obama misleading yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. Because I actually thought that Joe Biden might do something slightly different to Trump or in the for the Khashoggi murder, but apparently he's not. So there you go. And we now have the validation for it. Like we we now have the confirmation for it because now now it's uh, it's it's settled news that. Biden administration uh, is uh, also trying to stop this investigation from going through, even though the evidence is clear. So there you have it. And you know why? So if they're, they're basically sucking up to Saudi Arabia, right? At the same time, they're actually torpedoing any possibility of the Iran nuclear deal from coming back online because they bombed Iranians and Iraqis in Syria, right? Against, I mean, you have even, I was surprised that even Ro Khanna and all these people uh, went online to just say, like, this is against all law, right? I mean, Obama tried to bomb Syria and Congress stopped him. This guy didn't wait. He was just like, Trump did it, I'll do it. Because he's a warmonger. Biden has always been a warmonger. There's a story floating in the news media that he stopped the bombing because he saw a woman and child there. That didn't stop the million women and children he killed in Iraq. You know, and when he was a senator, they were all for starving Iraq. And we had that whole Madeleine Albright quote with the 500,000 Iraqi kids dying, it's worth the price and this, that, and the other. They, they don't want the Iran nuclear deal because that would make Saudi Arabia pissed. So before we wrap up the Cuomo story, I think there is one last thing we need to touch up on. Another one of my theories as to why this could be happening to Cuomo. And this has a lot to do with the fact that if you look at their history, you can see that there's some very deep and rich relationships between the likes of Cuomo's and Donald Trump. I think this should not come to anyone as a surprise. That's why I always say that uh, Trump was never an outsider. He was always an insider. Trump has given uh, a lot of these Democrat politicians from New York a lot of money, firstly through donations, but, but even a lot more through PACs, which you can't even find out how much because, you know, that's what PACs exist for. And you can actually say that, you know, I know there will be a lot of people who will be listening to me and saying, oh, you know, that's because Trump's a businessman. He just knows how to get things done. And uh, no, guy, because this is actually more than just a businessman wanting to grease the rails. It, it goes a lot deeper than that. In fact, uh, contrary to all the little media battles that Trump and Cuomo has had over the years, you can see that under the table, they're still kind of like buddies. You can find many videos of events where you see Cuomo praising 
Trump for how he handled the COVID. In fact, I think Cuomo's office sent Trump and Melania a care package when they it was announced that the first the president and the first lady had COVID, or so we were told they had COVID. And uh, you can see that this is literally really not the Trump-Democrat relationship that you expect uh, in the open. And it's not just Andrew Cuomo. Trump had some very strong ties with Andrew Cuomo's father, Mario. I, I think in, during the 80s or late 70s, Trump was requesting the state of New York land and money for his projects. And uh, it's not a conspiracy to think that these financial and real estate services in New York ran the city politics for decades. And, uh, and these uh, projects that Trump had planned at that time, because of those projects, Trump was actually considering retaining a law firm that had very deep ties to the governor and his family. There's a really good article about this, once again in Times Union, called Trump and Cuomo's Powerful Friends Once. In the 1980s, the mogul cultivated relationships with the governor and his son. So this is, I think, another one of the reasons why I think uh, the Democrats now want to get rid of Cuomo, because um, Cuomo's done their job, he, he's done his role as a strong, strong man, and uh, he, he's built what they need for the, the boutique yeah. left to come and take over. What do you think of that? You know, he it could just also be like, you know, one straw too many. I mean, I, I think he's used to being a bully and the sexual harassment stuff was like par for the course. Everyone, everyone knew about it and no one did anything about it. In April and May, I was screaming at this guy killing all these seniors. And it was just like, well, it doesn't matter. Trump is killing more, so he's great. He's killing less than Trump. The bar has always been measured against Trump, right? And that's why I keep saying that I think Trump is evil's check on evil. Because when when people are finding out that, hey, listen, these people don't work for us, they just invent supposed more evil. Trump is not any more evil than any of these people. You go into any common section, you ask anybody, it's like he's like that... You know, that thing in your head from Total Recall that is going to explode if, like, you mention his name? That's why these people are deranged. I mean, they, they were successfully able to plant, like, the ultimate derangement into people. You could have a better psyop, actually, if you think about it. Either way, you know, going into, like, what you're going to talk about next, doesn't matter. They're all aligned when it comes to Israelis subjugating and killing Palestinians. Right. So we are now on to a big story. And uh, I must say, uh, I, I watched Killing Gaza this week upon your recommendation. Uh, it's a documentary film by Max Blumenthal. This is, uh, when it comes to the US uh, foreign policy, Max is a guy because he's one of those people who actually goes to all the hard to reach places and does all the tremendous jobs uh, that brings, it gives you a very good uh, perception of the ground reality of how life is in, in such places. Max Blumenthal is a hardcore leftist, but just, just to give you a little bit of a beyond narrative story, my introduction to Max Blumenthal was through his first book, Goliath, Life and Loathing in Greater Israel. I mean, I can't believe he wrote that back in, in, in nearly 10 years ago now. And... Um, I think uh, this book was first introduced to me by a, a podcast called the Scott Horton Podcast. Which is, Scott Horton is one of the leading figures of the anti-war movement from the right. That was the first time I think his name was introduced to me and, some, and when Scott said in his podcast that people should go and read his book. 
now going back to these documentaries, the Killing Gaza by Max Milwinter. There's another documentary, I think noteworthy one. It's called Gaza Fights for Freedom by Abby Martin, which is also a documentary that gives you a very similar flavor. And uh, I think they both have some very shocking imagery that leaves little hope uh, about this whole conflict. Sometimes you do wonder though if there is ever any hope for these two fractions uh, to have any peace. I mean, how can you possibly have diplomacy between two groups uh, who put their hatred towards each other as a part of their very identity for, if not for centuries, probably for thousands of years. Their whole history books are literally telling them to view each other as enemies and uh, you know, I mean, I, I'd like to get your perception on this. I mean, what hope do these people have? And will they ever listen to us when they have this stuff of thousands of years of history of animosity behind them? Well, I think it's also the fact that the U.S. is the biggest ally in Israel's corner. So they literally have the might of the U.S., you know. If they didn't have the U.S. by their side, uh, it would have been a whole different story. Um, many reasons for that, but, uh, um, you know, for one, the United States and Israel are not signatories to the International Criminal Court. So what that means is that, uh, I don't know if you know about the Hague Invasion Act, right? So, 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 so the U.S. has this act where if any of its, uh, like there was this controversy last year that they were going to investigate uh U.S. Army atrocities in Afghanistan, right? And that was the International Criminal Court that was going to do that. And the U.S. lost its mind. So the Hague Invasion Act, a literal act, that's law in, in stone and codified, says that the U.S. military can freaking parachute into, like, Dutch or wherever the hell the Hague is. Yeah, I think it's the Netherlands, right? And uh, it, can, it can sort of swoop in paratroopers, rescue jailed, you know, war criminals that the U.S. actually has and, and leave with no repercussions. And it's just a law like, hey, we can just, you know, go in anywhere, do whatever the hell we want, including our allies in, in Western Europe. So um, the, the same International Criminal Court uh, a few years ago allowed Palestine to sign on to it through the Rome Statute, right? That was the first time that someone actually saw... Palestine as a as a body to be able to sign international you know doc international treaties so to speak Israel lost its mind they're like you're not really a country and you can't do this and this month the international criminal court made a jurisdiction that they said we can investigate these attacks that you're currently going to talk about that happened in 2014 where more than 2500 people died and just to uh, get something out of the way for people Another beyond narrative story here is about Hague Invasion Act. Which political party, which constituents voted the majority for the Hague Invasion Act? Just to get that out of the way, clear? Uh, the fourth letter in the alphabet starts with? Ah, that's right, yes. Democrats outweigh the Republicans in voting for the Hague Invasion Act. I just want you to let that sink in for a moment for all you... You know, people out there who think that uh, you got the your your self-righteous pampas pricks out there who think that you know you you are on the side of the lesser of the two evil. Let that sink in for a moment. All right. Yeah. So yeah, that's so. Uh, that now with regards to the Gaza thing, though, I think I'm gonna play a little bit of a devil's advocate here, and this comes down to my own personal biases and how I was uh, raised as well. So uh, so let me ask you by the most obvious question, right? So that Max was in 2014, he was in Gaza. He saw the whole thing, right? 
So the obvious question, why is the 2014 attack so controversial on Gaza? Well, it's probably because, you know, it was an entire military, like, wiping out, like, an entire city when the people just had sticks and stones, pretty much. And, of course, there was Hamas, uh, who is, uh, you know, um, basically a political party slash, you know, supposed terrorist organization, but one man's terrorist could be somebody else's freedom fighter here. So, you know, but uh, they were also t uh, blowing rockets in Israel. But, again, like we mentioned, we discussed this uh, personally before, that if you are a, a population that's completely gotten a hope, you'll either go towards a Trump, or you'll go towards anybody else who pretends that they're going to save you. So, you know, like, while I don't agree with what Hamas does, but, you know, they've never really been able to strike any deal with Israel, and Israel's consistently always violating every treaty and peace deal it's ever signed. Uh, if you look at the map of Israel from 1948 till today, you'll see the West Bank, everything just shrinking like it's like water like evaporating. So, you know, the people, when people are desperate, they'll reach out to anybody. So... That's what Israel's motivation is to actually be so heavy-handed because you you're with the terrorists. So that's my that's my take on it. So with this dilemma, though, I can somewhat so what I meant was okay. Yes, and absolutely, you're absolutely right. So this is a, there's a similar situation that was happening in where I was born in in Sri Lanka, where you know we had the civil war going on from 1983 to 2009. And uh, we, our government was battling a group called the Liberation Tigers of the Tamil Elam, or LTTE, as, uh, which, is, uh, which is kind of a synon uh, acronym that some people are, uh, abbreviation that some people are very familiar with, I'm sure, because they are one of the pioneers in these art of suicide bombings. And they recruited a lot of child soldiers from the Tamil populations in the north to carry out suicide attacks. They also managed to integrate brilliantly with the local population making it literally impossible for the government forces to retaliate without violating human rights and so uh, it's kind of that that is why so when people from other parts of the world talk about who is right or who is wrong in a situation like that that it, it is sometimes frustrating to people who are actually in those areas dealing with it because they, they can't offer any practical solutions to these problems either. Because, for example, when the Sri Lankan government finally wiped out the LTT in 2009, it had to be done without the support of the international community. There was people like Hillary and Obama who have become very unpopular in Sri Lanka because of this reason, mind you. They, they called for global diplomacy to stop the final stages of the war from happening. And... Had the Sri Lankan government listened to the likes of Hillary and Obama, the LTT leadership would have survived, regrouped, rearmed, and we'd still be in the middle of that miserable war. So things, uh, things in Sri Lanka are not perfect today, but uh, we are at a relatively better time period now. We are in relative peace since 2009, and we had to ban a lot of activists like uh, the Human Rights Watch from entering the country to... Uh, 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 you know, during the time when we were wrapping things up, and because these people did everything possible to prolong the war, so that is my personal situation. That that, that I mean, I was born and raised in Sri Lanka. I, I don't live there right now, but uh, you know that that's just what I can say. So if I can apply that to Gaza, though, there there have been a lot of pushback, uh, even for U.S. politicians or anyone who dares to say 
anyone, especially people on the left, who dares to say that uh, Israel has the right to defend themselves. So the the reality is though that state of Israel is there, right? It's there. It's not going. It's not going to go anywhere. There are six million people living there. We can argue about the you know moral justification of how it all started, but but that's a deflection from the reality. It exists, and it's my understanding that. Hamas uh, cleverly, very cleverly, has integrated into the Gaza population. In fact, they politically represent the people of Gaza in some ways. So, and one of their main strategies is to create a lot of mass civilian casualties among their own Palestinian people uh, by inviting Israel to retaliate. And and I do think, I do sometimes feel that a lot of the people, especially the likes of Max Blumenthal and Abby Martin, they have a very ambiguous view on Hamas who, when it's blatantly obvious that this is a murderous terrorist organization who is deliberately uh, wills harm on their own people, including children, as a part of their strategy. strategy. So don't you think that the lines should not be this blurred when it comes to uh, calling out a group like uh, Hamas? How, how do you expect how do you not expect collateral damage uh, when a state defends themselves against a group of people who have integrated into civilians? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And But again, like I said, I mean, I was just thinking about you were talking about the LTTE and how the Sri Lankan army could not uh, go out and wipe them out without violating human rights and whatnot. Uh, this whole thing about violating human rights during a war is something that came out like probably after the Korean War, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe after Vietnam. But there was like all these statutes put in the 50s and the 60s. But if you think about World War II, there was violations of human rights from day one, every which way you looked at. No one gave a shit. It was like a complete war. You're going to die. We don't care who you... There's no, there's no going to be nobody coming in later on to do a freaking audit about what rights were violated. Now, would that war have been won if if there was like a little you know a little freaking organization traipsing around, following all the armies and documenting the human rights? They'd run out of like doc. They would run out of like paper or whatever documenting all the crazy stuff that went on. So, the question remains: Can you actually have an end to a war if you're going to always talk about oh well, there's a human right violation here? War is a human rights violation itself. Right. And I don't think people get that. Like, even with all this Russia getting going on, if it just takes one little, you know, little misstep to have a nuke land on New York City. And then suddenly there's like, you know, who's going to do the body counting and the human rights violation? You know, so I think at that point when you're talking about how can you not expect collateral damage, the, the situation is so not clear in terms of like Hamas being like their savior. There's been a proven record of the PLO before as well as the current Palestinian Authority not being able to advocate for the people as well as they should have and then of course then you have the bully here sitting here in the United States big daddy Yankee you know always uh, selling Israel arms or hundreds of million dollars they give to Israel billions of dollars of aid a year I mean I think they give them like half the NY NYPD police budget every year just like that it's like here you go. So they've got like a, you know, daddy benefactor. And I mean, I also looked at the footage of this, of the Israelis. And of course, it's, I mean, it's cherry picking here. But, you know, to see actual, I mean, it's so, it's so, it's such a 
it's a it's a coal pit where you have the Israelis all advocating, some of them advocating for the deaths of like all the Palestinians. You know, I don't think it's normal that a freaking civilization goes around saying, "Yeah, we need to kill all of them to to even give the Palestinians their due." Like at least, I mean, yeah, sure, it was a documentary, maybe it was slanted, but. You know, um, they were more in grief at, and they were actually there was that guy who was explaining how his little kid is going to build an atomic weapon, right? When he's older to go and hit the Israelis, he goes, "How can he not do that? He's seen his uncle die, his mother die, his father die, and that's all he knows. All he knows is pain." And meanwhile, they have the Israelis getting dead to Palestinians. So it's like, and Abby Martin's taking videos of them, and these are like, you know, these are the basically the shit libs of Tel Aviv in, in most cases, roaming around. And I've seen them here in freaking Crown Heights myself. So. You know, I mean, yeah, we're cherry picking. We're we're only t- taking a very small sample, but I thought it was very uh, a little off-putting to see anybody actually advocate for the deaths of like an entire race openly. With and I know they think they're at home and they can say whatever they want, but uh, but it is a Zionist nation at the end of the day, and Zionism isn't isn't the same as being, uh, you know, isn't the same as following the traditions of Judaism. That that country is based on a whole lot of other things. We talked about this. Uh, few weeks ago where we 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 morphed it back all the way back to world war ii and the uh, the holocaust so but yeah but that's that's my take on that that's, that's actually you touched on something very important and that is what people do when they are hopeless and when they feel alienated from societies when they feel like they can no longer they are not treated as uh they are treated as second class citizens or they can they have no place in the in the, in where the things are going they can turn to very bad ideas and we've talked about this before and I, I want to touch up on it because we do tend to uh, have a little bit more sympathy towards uh, Islam extremism when people feel hopeless we, we sort of think okay that that is something we can say for that but th- there are a lot of other people who do the same uh, who, who also for follow very extremist ideas or embrace extremist ideas when they feel out of place and and even white supremacy and we, we talked about this before is is in fact one of those things that some people embrace when they have nothing when they feel completely uh, disenfranchised by people around them and uh, there are other other things as well that i think yeah we, we talked about the jews uh, during the holocaust and we talked about how uh, many of them were stripped of all their dignity uh, and and there were occasions where they would fight for for the job in in the concentration camps if they everyone wanted to uh, clean shit because that was the only job where they were left alone and not uh, beaten to death or because uh, nobody would come to constantly check up on them when they were doing that so uh, so and they were also put in a situation where they were forced to be pitted against each other they were forced to uh, they were forced to uh, sort of be complicit in some of the things, uh, some of the uh, activities at the concentration camps. And so they were forced to be, betray their own people in order to uh, assess, uh, in order to survive. So when you when you are put in that situation, you you can sort of I, I, you can come out of that and not feel normal ever again. And we do know that there's a lot of people in Israel. I think uh, you'll be surprised that um, I think a vast majority of the Holocaust survivors that uh, st- are still alive today are from Israel. So th- these people have gone through all that. So maybe it, it plays some part in how they uh, view this conflict. I- I'm not too sure. Maybe it has some, maybe it has some impact. I-, I-, I don't know enough about it to actually comment. But uh, yeah, so 
maybe they have they themselves have become in somewhat somewhat extremist i i'm not saying this is for everyone i know that people who go through enormous hardships pains trauma and they come out uh, being extremely empathetic extremely uh, 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 but enlightened human beings but but those but but that could may not be a set formula there could be like for every enlightened human being that enormous trauma producer there could be 10 people who come out feeling like uh, you know wanting to do that to other people we, we don't know so yeah so but i think that i think uh, i'm glad that you actually touched up on that because uh, and so getting back to this uh, Gaza fight for freedom. Uh, so I was, I did, I, and, and I think I recommended, I think it's a, sorry, it's not Gaza fight for freedom, so it's killing Gaza, right? So getting back to killing Gaza, I, I was watching this one scene where we, so if it was just the bombing, it's so generally my idea of the 2014 Gaza attacks surrounds just Israel shelling the shit out of Gaza, but there, there was a lot more to it than that. There was also the Israel ground army that actually went into the Gaza and they were indiscriminately shooting uh, people's mostly and uh, people who don't seem to even pose any harm like old men uh, grandparents grandfathers uh, somebody's and uncle. using them as a uh, freaking uh, uh, what uh, they were using them as host uh, hostage shields or uh, uh, body shields they put that guy against a window and shot from behind him while they were shooting at uh, palestinians and that's the thing and max mentions that 80 percent of the adolescents that who are currently in gaza suffer from some form of PTSD and we are not talking about the current PTSDs that uh, you see in the West where you know you hear about some guy writing a diversity memo and next moment you want to take time off from PTSD not that type of PTSD this is this is the real deal and and uh, you can see that uh, you know I, 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 at the start of this particular segment I was asking you what hope is there for for any type of diplomacy when you are when you have an entire generation of adolescents who suffer from ptsd and uh, i don't mean to sound uh, negative but it, it is something that we have to look into because uh, if if, you, if the whole next generation is already traumatized what hope is there for for i think that's a, that's a, that's a point to keep them traumatized so there won't be any hope that's the Israeli point. Sorry, that's their point. Yeah, and this is one scene where you see children crawling through the ruins of a fallen mosque, and this is a ginormous building, and that's so disheartening to me to watch because, and these children were outside uh, chanting prayers around those ruins as well. And what was shocking is that how how dangerous it is actually. I mean, imagine this giant building that's fallen down, and it's, it's sitting on the rubble, and it's not really you know you don't know it could. It could roll further, it could disintegrate further, and you, you don't know what danger awaits. And uh, and you can see these children sort of crawling through the pillars, and they, you see them, I mean, they're, they're, they're through the pillars of uh, this building that's resting on the rubble. They can, and this building can easily disintegrate while the children are playing, you know, around it. I mean, and that's just, I just want to, I, I highly recommend this film. I think everyone should see it. I don't know where you can, I think we can put some links in our footnotes uh, uh, and, and where these people can find, uh, uh, the viewers can find this film, yeah. Cool, cool. So with that, I think uh, we're almost at the end of our third yeah. podcast. Uh, this uh, is a hey, long Chris, one. Why don't you, why don't you give, uh, give the listeners uh, your closing message? Today, my closing message is simply this, and I want to go back to the Cuomo story. And... Uh, and uh, we saw many Democrats uh, 
hailing this guy as a hero last year. In fact, even some of my very smart and educated Facebook friends, uh, uh, they would, they would, uh, they were sticking up for him last year. If someone were to point out the fuck ups he did with the nursing home, they would uh, write some very lengthy, you know, comment to deep debunk us peasants. And in many instances, those word salads they put out won because uh, you know they they just seem so credible and they seem like the stable geniuses that we are not. And uh, I wish in many ways that I could go back to some of those old threads and reply something snarky on those comments and now, you know, in the light of the new ad said, yeah, that age well, but I'm not going to do it. But I do have a Facebook friend. I know she's listening to this. I wish to, you know, I just have one thing to say to you, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You should go back to those old threads and stick it up to those shit lips, you know, <laughs> you really should. <laughs> but anyway, but this is. The, the the broader point I wanted to touch up on was that this is the danger of the narratives and tribalism. This is what we've been we are trying to liberate you guys from. So um, uh, if some of you feel the need to stick, if some of you felt the need to stick up for Como or hail him as a bogus hero because you felt the need to uh, stick up for this narrative that goes against uh, a Trump's call for an investigation or goes against something Trump tweeted then you did not care about the consequences you didn't you just wanted to defend a narrative because that narrative to you was more important than the people who died so you've got to understand you got to see just how toxic this is seriously people you really need to just get your head out of your ass uh, and realize uh, the the consequences the, of your actions so so stop worrying about all these labels and categories and catchphrases uh, and uh, you know take each case by its merit because uh, i can tell you that you can find wisdom in something someone said without having to take their whole body of work into consideration including trump or anybody for that matter you know whether it's theodore roosevelt or fidel castro you know every time you see something there is a quote uh, uh, you know some something wise they said you don't need to like you know put on your big boy panties and go on about how they he did this and that and the other just 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 learn from what he's uh, learned from the wisdom from that one particular quote and that's my message for the day i hope you all have a great weekend and with it we are done with episode three we'll be doing this in a slightly more expanded format from now on also we are now available on google podcasts spotify and youtube links in the show notes below so like share and subscribe and tell your friends and check back next Sunday for the next episode of Beyond Narratives. We'll be doing this every weekend, so join us next time. So till then, peace out. Peace out, guys. <laughs>